Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Pillars of Health with Kara C. Adams. Today I have a special guest, Don Yeager. Hey, Don. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited because Don is one of my favorite yogis ever. She's like the major yoga guru that I've learned so much from over the years. And I'm just honored that you were able to be on here with me today. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I actually, we met, how do we meet about... I think it was in 2012 or 2011 mm -hmm. and I was like just finished um, my like 200 hour yoga training right. in Charleston and then one of the girls Olga yes she came and she was like oh I work with Don Yeager in Myrtle yes. Beach South Carolina and I'm yes. like oh my gosh once I came to your class, I was hooked forever. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Because I've been everywhere. Right. And right. I was just like, I've been, you tell me places to go when I've traveled and like Chicago, right. New York and different places. And right. I'm like, even I've been to like Dharma's class and I'm just like, and I love how the way you teach, it just makes so much sense. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think is great about teaching is, yes, you need to have really good teachers and really good instruction. So mm -hmm. Dharma is my teacher and Goswami Kriyanandaji is my teacher and Naveen Mishan is my teacher. However, when what I learn from them um, moves throughout me and then I speak about it in a way through my own experience, mm -hmm. um, I attract people that resonate with the way that I have experienced it. So it's interesting because if you are a authentic teacher, just meaning doing your own practice and then if trying to give that to others, you'll always kind of have your own feel or method because it can't not be. Yeah, you know? exactly. I love that. And by the way, Don is the owner of Shanti Yoga Studio in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. What's the address here? It is 5103 North Kings Highway. We just moved in, so I almost forgot it. Yeah, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it is so beautiful. Like I'm noticing the little ladybug on the wall here, and I'm like, I love it. Pretty, right? <laughs> yeah. So another thing is you're offering classes online. Yes. Because of everything that's went gone down. Mm -hmm. And you were doing that before. Yeah, we've been doing it. So we weren't doing it just as open classes, one hour or 90 minute classes you could sign up, but we were doing them as series. So mm -hmm. the first course was called Unbothered and it was how to learn a home practice. And the second was called Tunnel Vision. And that is how to become disciplined. And I have a third that will be more on the esoteric teachings. And those three together give you a really solid foundation. However, um, because of this pandemic and um, the forced change, um, we were able to take what we were doing and offer it in little one hour segments. And it has really been great. Yeah. It really has. Awesome. Like I, I get, I've talked to a lot of teachers because I consult with teachers and other studios. And I think the, the feel of it is I would say the majority of people aren't in love with it as a teacher. Yeah. And I can see why, because you can't assist and adjust. You yeah. can't, a lot of them don't turn their cameras on. There's a million <laughs> reasons why as a teacher, it may not be super rewarding, but I think because of the experience of creating those programs and having a teaching method I am comfortable with, I really love it. So I'm not teaching from the mat and panting because I would, I am about to be 42. So I would be panting <laughs> if I was doing that. Um, but instead I'm sitting in front of the camera and someone else is practicing and it's somebody they can relate to and somebody they can look up to. And I can still, you know, really give good quality content. So 
it has worked out. Yeah. Um, but I do see the challenges in it. Also, as starting as a new student online, mm -hmm. I have mixed feelings about that. Yeah. I mean, better than, you know, just happy hour. Yeah. You know, better yeah. than nothing. Yeah. But um, it's challenging to learn body awareness Absolutely. on your own because you have your own habits. Yeah. You think your arm is straight. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was something really cool. When I first started coming here, you didn't have any mirrors. Right. And you were in all the way down in 38th area. Yes. And I was like, there's no mirrors in here. And I was used to so many people that had mirrors in yes, their place. And it course. was like, and it makes sense. You do become more in tune with yourself when you're having to notice how you're doing it instead of just looking at yourself. Yes. And the biggest part of teaching for me, because I came from the philosophical side of mm -hmm. it and added the poses a decade later. Yeah. So, which was a blessing to me. And I see how you can get caught up in the poses and miss some of the deeper dimensions. Yeah. However, for me, what I thought was really, really interesting is we can use the pose as an example of life. So when we're doing warrior two, Virabhadrasana B and looking forward at the middle finger nail bed, mm -hmm. when we learn to be aware of what the outside edge of the left foot is doing all the way behind yourself, not in line with your vision and the furthest place from the brain, mm -hmm. if we can maintain composure without our visual awareness, we have suddenly put ourselves in the middle on kind of like on a spit rather mm -hmm. than forward of ourselves. Exactly. I mean, have you ever seen somebody unaware of where they're standing in line and they keep rushing up against yep, you? Absolutely. And I mean, there may be many reasons, but you can see people that are unaware of even their own form. That's true. So if we can become aware of the things we don't see, we can become aware of symbolism. We yeah. can become aware of so many other things. Exactly. Yeah. It's so true because people like don't even realize like they're like my back hurts. Well, I'm like, look at your posture. Exactly. They don't even know that they're hunching over right. or, you know, standing with their chest out. Right. It's too much, you know. Right. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Well, speaking of like, how long have you been practicing? When did you get started? So I started in 1993 with uh, philosophy, the Gita pranayama, mm -hmm. um, some kind of concentration meditation techniques, japa mala, all of those. And I started out of a, a mailing of the Temple of Kriya Yoga in Chicago. Like you would get a newsletter mailed to your house once a month. Nice. And I would just devour those things. And it would have like <laughs> stick figures of alternate nostril breathing and like a couple shlokas of the Gita. And How old were you? I Well, in 93, I would say I was about 13 or yeah. so. So yeah. you were young. Yeah, I was really, really young. I was in middle school. And there was, this was like, there might've been internet but there was not internet in my home, nor in my school. So it was not accessible at that time. So those mailings were just everything. And there wasn't a lot of asana in it. Uh -huh. So the asana for me didn't come till even almost after college, um, much later when I found Sri Dharma Mitra and that's, and both Patabi Joyce, Ashtanga as well. Yeah. And then the, the asana really started to kick up a little bit. And a lot of people are like, pranayama, what's that? That's like breathing. And you're like, and you knew it right away. It's and the it's best like, thing in the world. Yeah, it's absolutely. Well, I was doing it instinctively. Yeah. And I think kids do often. They do. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So it's, it was just a matter of recognizing that. Yeah. And then at the right time, being confirmed that what I was doing was real through those newsletters. That's amazing. I love that you said that kids do it instinctively because mm -hmm. so many kids, like, 
when they've been uh, traumatized, right. they actually take themselves out of the body. Yeah. And they don't, they don't even know it. Like I know yeah. I did that as a kid. Right. And so like children already know, and you see them moving around and how they move around and they're doing yeah. these yoga, they're doing the sonnets. Yes. And yes. it's like, it's so beautiful. Absolutely true. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some benefits personally that you've gotten from yoga? For me, the, the benefits personally, I would say that there's muscular benefits, there's physical benefits, all those things. Mm-hmm. But the biggest benefits for me have been a balancing of my tendencies. Yeah. So if we do the practice earnestly, meaning um, balanced, we do all of the practice, we don't pick and choose. Um, that's why we try to ba- um, practice under a teacher so we don't start to just deepen our own habitual patterns of tamasic or rigistic behavior low Mm -hmm. or high we want to get into the middle you know where that peacefulness is Mm -hmm. and we also want to keep the ability to rest or be passionate but on call not dictated by external responses but dictated by our own time and place Mm -hmm. so for me the biggest benefit is seeing that I can watch myself in a pose like double pigeon Mm -hmm. and watch my anxiety or my frustration or my attachments to the past or my projections projections to the future. Mm-hmm. And in a very safe way, I can work at not following and going into those things. At the same time, healing the hips, healing the knees. You yeah. know what I mean? So every single pose has a consciousness associated with it. Mm-hmm. And if we do the pose um, for a long period of time without interruption, mm-hmm. um, not, not attached to the results, but working also on the interior quality, then we can really heal and harmonize the body, the mental state, the emotionality, our reactions, and therefore we create more freedom in our lives. I love it because this is so awesome because like we talk about the five pillars of health, like everything's like spiritual, mental, financial, social. Um, You just have all these aspects. But when you talk about yoga, it's like you're bringing so much into that you're yes. bringing the spiritual bringing the physical you're bringing the mental you're yeah. bringing it together yeah and a lot of people don't understand like you you can do that yeah you can intertwine all of it absolutely and, and I went is. to school for first psychology and then neuropsychology and I ended up leaving and going into the seminary because I was so sure by doing the practice myself Mm -hmm. that those are linked so closely the way we can repattern our brain and our neural pathways through our behavior because Mm -hmm. habits are what creates the person. So So it's about cleaning up those habits. And if we can start on the mat Mm -hmm. where we know the worst thing that's going to happen is we're not going to do great. That is a really safe place to start to build you know, independence yeah. by standing on your arms as a woman that yeah. you're not used to That's true. or openness by doing a full wheel as a man, because you're not used to being open and vulnerable that mm-hmm. way, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So there's, if you just do all the poses, the lessons kind of work themselves out. And as a teacher, that means we don't have to know anything more than good technique, form, and philosophy. Yeah. We don't have to know why your heart is broken, but we have a way to fix it. Oh, Isn't that great? That's solving the problems, are coming up with solutions. Absolutely. That we need in modern day right now. Right. With everything going on. And it gives the person the power to do it. Exactly. You know, when they need it, self-soothe or to create strength. This is why I think it'd be so amazing if we got yoga into schools. Like yes, more, except everywhere. for not me. <laughs> I have no interest in children. They do get a all over the place, don't they? 
I just, you know, I raised two. They are young adults now. They are good people. I am done. Like, I am beyond done. And here's yeah. me at the party. Where are the kids? I'm hanging out with the kids. And that's perfect. The world needs a lot of you. Diversity. And I just, I'll, I'll work with the stressed out mamas. You do, but you're doing an amazing job. Yeah. You do an amazing job. So... Um, you got to, if you haven't gone to Shanti website, what's the website? ShantiMyrtleBeach.com. Yeah. ShantiMyrtleBeach.com. You really have to check out Dawn's classes and everything. And I wanted to wrap up one more thing. Sure. Um, well, two things. So mantras, yes. people are like, what are mantras? Yeah. Well, mantras, I think the idea, the mantra is a mechanism to tether the mind. Okay. And then furthermore, to tether it to something positive. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, to tether it to something bhakti filled, mm -hmm. if you can go there. The mantra does not have to be anything specific. However, the reason why Sanskrit mantras are so powerful mm -hmm. is there isn't a relationship to anything mm -hmm. in childhood, a word that you used to use at a certain time. I mean, think of the way a smell brings back emotions from 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Words bring up thoughts that bring up emotions that bring up discontent yeah. that so one of the great things about a mantra is I guarantee you don't have an emotional reaction yeah unless you have some kind of like religious guilt yeah which is something else we can you know work on through the practice That's as well so true. however <laughs> so the reason I say that is I did go to Catholic school and I was trained that way somewhat yeah. so I can see how it happens but you don't want to have anything that makes you feel bad, that makes you feel whatever. It should almost be so neutral yeah. that you can tether the mind to it so you can experience what you already are. Yeah, because I've had a lot of people like, what are you saying? That makes no sense. I need to know what it means. And yeah. I was like, well, we can tell you what it means. Yeah. But people like put that block up right away because maybe Absolutely. they do have, a, like you're saying, a religious yeah. tie. You know, we've had really good, um, like people here sing mantra. Yeah. Like full out. Everybody. Like it's, the whole class. it's really good, right? <laughs> but I would say, I think the reason is because they trust me. Yeah. I think that, and oh, I that's think huge. on top yeah. of that, I think they trust what they feel. Yeah. So, and I think they have space to not do it. Well, this is a safe place. I think so. It's a beautiful And you safe also, place. it's optional. You don't have to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you always say that and I love it. You're just, like, oh, or not. And I'm like, yes. I'm yes, just, yes. you know, I've been a salesperson before and I'm just anti-sales right now. Mm -hmm. I just am averted to trying. Yeah. To, I just want to be available. Yeah. I, I just am not going beyond that anymore. And the world sees that. The universe sees that and, and it loves it. It loves you mm -hmm. for that. And like people just are drawn to that. Sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. It's the right people. Yeah, yeah. The right energy. Truth. <laughs> True. Okay. I know. Um, two more things. Sure. What is your favorite mantra? I would say. And can you sing it for me? Oh, geez. Now it's going to change my answer. No, I'm just kidding. I would say it's probably the Mahamitranjaya mm -hmm. backed up right after that by Om Namah Shivaya. Um, the Mahamitranjaya, though, it just personally mm -hmm. gives me a feeling. And then the Om Namah Shivaya, it is very important to me, but it is more of a communal um, experience. And what are they? Me. What are So the Mahamitranjaya is the healing mantra, and it's ancient and there isn't a better mantra right now than that, I yeah. think, because it is about healing on whatever level isn't perfect, whole, and complete. Nice. So whether that's 
emotional, mental, physical, mm -hmm. or whether it's cultural yeah. or whatever it may be. So it's worldly. the intention. Right. Mm -hmm. So do you want me to do that one? Please. Okay. <laughs> Om Triambakam Yajamahe Sugandin Bhushdevadanam Vodva Rukamiva Vandanam Mrityo Mukshya Mamritahatom Beautiful. I love it's it. It's a good one, right? I got goosebumps. It's a good one. Well, I will say, if you haven't been to Dawn's class, when everyone's in the class, there'll be a class of 30 people, and they're all singing that at the same time because they come continuously. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it kind of is it amazing. Is, it really is. Yeah. Um, last thing, mm -hmm. do you have a favorite book that you want to recommend today? Can pertain to yoga or not? It doesn't matter. I, I mean, I have a ton, but I'm just going to stick with the super basic answer and it will kind of bookend this talk because I talked about it at the beginning. Okay. So my most influential book and the one that I always refer people to time and time again is the Bhagavad Gita. Yes. And particularly the translation by Eknath Aswaran. Okay. It's particularly um, digestible by Westerners that have a inkling for a spiritual journey journey in some sort yeah so it's it's tangible it makes sense but yet it gets you excited that life is more than what we see absolutely i uh, yeah yeah so good so good yeah and sometimes you have to read that one over and over again i it's it's on repeat yeah. it's just when you get done you just open it again because yeah. six months later you're different yeah. and every time you read it it's different well, Dawn, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, thank you. You are so inspiring and so knowledgeable. And um, if you guys check Dawn out, please, at ShantiMyrtleBeach.com. Thank you. Thank you. Have an amazing day, everybody.